All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the NRL Hunter podcast. I know it's been a while, but we've got an awesome show for you guys tonight. We're here in uh, Washington, Spokane, Washington, at Mr. Scott Saturday's house, and we've put together quite an impressive roundtable for you guys tonight. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start off with my left and let these guys introduce themselves so that they know, or you guys know, who, uh, who's on the show tonight. Fred Mudd from Turkey Creek Rifle Range in Louisville, Kentucky. Isaiah Curtis from uh, Curtis Custom Weapons, Northeast Missouri. Seth McInerney from Great Falls, Montana. Seth's also one of our match directors. And Dave Ghiriani from Pemberton, British Columbia, Canada. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Brian Neese from uh, Southern Idaho. Match director. Uh, Michael Lilly from Eatonville, Western Washington. One of our newest match directors for the, this season. Scott Satterley from Eastern Washington. The, the brains behind all this NRL Hunter madness. Seth Howard from <laughs> Southern Idaho. And also one of our match directors. So as you can see, we have an eclectic group of gentlemen here joining us from all over the country, even from Canada, eh? Um, and why we wanted to do this was we got together last night and we were you know, just hanging out, uh, doing our thing. And Mr. Michael Lilly um, came up with this really cool question that he had been asked several times and wanted to hear our opinions on it. And we thought it might be a really cool segment for you guys. So I'm going to turn the microphone over to Mike and let him explain to you how this came about and what the question is and you know, hear our thoughts. So the, I, I can't take credit for the question. The way the question came about is through our YouTube channel, Long Range with the Lilies. We've been highlighting and showcasing the NRL Hunter series. And there's been a lot of debate about what a modern hunting rifle is or what a hunting rifle is. Um, I think that hunting is a very generational knowledge passed down um, through families from you know uh, parents to children and grandparents to children and so forth and so on. And what I've also noticed is there's this kind of resistance to information that comes from outside of that knowledge stream that they grew up with. Um, in the educational environment, we refer to that as primacy. Primacy being the thing that you learn first tends to be the hardest to unlearn because it's, it's stuck in you. So what I wanted to ask is, you know, uh, as we have people from all over different regions with different hunting styles, hunting different animals with different rifle systems. Skill sets. The skill sets, etc. You know, what is a hunting rifle? And the example I'll give is a guy said, you know, a 16-pound hunting rifle LOL, like that's not a hunting rifle. Nobody hunts with a 16 pound hunting rifle. And I know for a fact, because I've done it, that people do. So with that, I'll turn it over back to you. So it's a great question. And I mean, with the different skill sets and knowledge and expertise here, we have uh, gunsmiths here. We have people that have seen all different kinds of calibers. You know, the, the modern hunting rifle is a great question. And one of the things that Michael led to, which is why I'm really interested in being part of this conversation, is he had referenced heritage. You know, grandfather to father, father to son, so on and so forth. Um, I don't know if that's been the case for most of you guys or all of you guys here. My dad wanted me nothing, to, had nothing to do with hunting at all. My grandfather never hunted. They wanted nothing for me to be outdoors, traditional Japanese dad, go to school, learn, become whatever, take over the family business, whatever. So my hunting literally came from the precision rifle world. So I have a little bit of a different aspect on that. But before we get into that, I'd like to hear what you guys have to say. Whoever would like to start off. Mud, you're up. All right, so I grew up in Kentucky, lived there all my life, my whole life. Um, Pretty much, when I grew up, my dad was, if it flies, it dies. If it's got wings, we're gonna shoot it. And I didn't even get into hunting deer until I was probably 17 or 18 years old. And, you know, when I started deer hunting, it was archery. And then two or three years later, we got into rifle season. And first rifle was a 243. and. I was always told growing up that that was the perfect white-tailed deer cartridge was a 243. You know, hands down, it'll kill any white-tail that you want to hunt in Kentucky. Because given in Kentucky, your average shot was never further than, I think I said, 75 yards. Okay, do you remember what that, I mean, that caliber, but do you remember what rifle that was? What? 
Oh, it was a Ruger Mark 77 with the stainless steel barrel with and the, the composite stock, the lightweight one. Okay, so, what, what optic did you have on it? Uh, it was a loophole 3x9. 3x9, okay. Yeah, gold ring loophole 3x9. So where you hunt in your region and how you were brought up, I mean, we're talking about relatively short distances. I mean, yeah. 75 yards, yeah. right? 75 yards. I mean, anything that you could shoot with a rifle, you could kill with a bow. Right. On pretty much every every area that we hunt in Kentucky, so I mean, there's some some areas in Western Kentucky that you could reach out to three, four, or five hundred yards, no problem. But in reality, every shot that we would take would be with shorter than hundred yards. Okay. So now, if we take if we go from your region of the world and come out west, let's say to Idaho with Brian Neese, Brian, you your situation I would imagine was completely different. Uh, some ways, yes. Um, other ways, no. I didn't. I didn't shoot my first deer until I was in college. Actually, I, I grew up uh, messing around the hills, shooting anything around the ground, varmint-wise. But I didn't hunt um, until I was older. My first uh, deer rifle was a Ruger seventy-seven um, and a three hundred Win Mag. That's probably the difference because I went. I don't know, four years without getting a shot inside 400 yards. So there, there's, and it's uh, mainly mule deer, of course. Now we hunt elk and whitetail also. Um, and it's changed from there too. But yeah, that's, that's probably the big difference is, is the shot opportunity that I got. It actually was what got me into precision rifle world. Um, I want to be a better hunter. I want to be able to take make that shot every time. And I think... You know, I mean, Scott, you could probably attest to this better than I can, but when I started into the precision rifle world in 2014-15, majority of the people that we talked to and a lot of people we talk to now say that they want to get into the sport because they want to become better hunters. Correct. Right? Um, and that's kind of how the NRO Hunter series evolved from the quote-unquote race gun series. Mm -hmm. But you grew up and you've hunted all over the world. Right, right. So right. what was... What was my your first experience? My first rifle? experience was, um, well, my I went to Hunter Ed, you know, when I was ten, which was nineteen seventy eight. So, and <laughs> my first date, so. <clears throat> that's right. And and because um, my dad grew up hunting, my mom grew up hunting, my great all my grandfathers, and um, to the point where my mom's probably shot more antelope than I know she shot more antelope than I have with a two forty three. Um, and they, sh they shot elk, they shot everything. And they, so my, my family lineage, actually, we were, we weren't even U.S. citizens until they made Montana state, you know, cause that's where, that's where my, uh, family, you know, they came over in the 1600s and we settled out West. And so my whole entire family has been hunters and trappers and et cetera for, you know, 500 years. So. Um, it's, it's, and when you talk about traditions and stuff like that, it's been passed down a bunch. Um, and so, you know, I grew up going hunting with my dad and, you know, it was, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was 10 years old or 12 or 15 or whatever. Um, and you know, my first rifle was a 270 cause Jack O'Connor and it was a model 70 Winchester cause Jack O'Connor. And it was a Leopold four power gold ring, right? And, nice. and, you know, we'd zero that thing for 200 yards and, you know, we'd just hold hair. You know, we didn't know. I mean, I didn't know how far it was, but, you know, most of the shots we were taking were, you know, 300 Nin, we hunted Western Washington, we hunted some out Eastern Washington, not out here where, you know, like Brian's from, where a 400-yard shot is kind of a gift. I mean, either the wind's blowing really hard and you can get close and they can't see you, or, you know, you're, I mean, you just, you're not gifted with a 100-yard shot. It's really hard to get a 100-yard shot out here versus kind of where I was, not necessarily full on eastern Washington where I live now, but um, in the timber on the back side of the Cascades, like, uh, Rocky Reach Dam area, Wenatchee, et cetera, et cetera, where there's still lodgepole pines and, and some terrain, um, you know, you can be confronted with a 50-yard shot or a 500-yard shot. Um, and I remember the first big mule deer I missed, like, just whiffed. You know, I was like, you know, Dad told me if I hold hair, 
you know, I should be good. Or if I hold, you know, if it looks far, I'll hold on the back. Right. And right. That, that was, that was my, that was my long range technique. <clears throat> and, uh, I see this monster mule deer and I'm like, I'll just hold on its back. And I saw where the bullet hit and it was, it was like halfway to the animal. <laughs> so, you know, that, and, and that was, that kind of, that kind of did a trigger in my head, you know, and then at the time dad was shooting high power and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to, how to do that too. And then try to figure out how to apply that to what I'm doing with, with hunting. Cause, um, dad was super busy, you know, working for IBM and Packard and stuff like that. So I started hunting on my own. As soon as I got a driver's license, I would go hunting with my buddies and, and you know, that's a shit show. So right. anyway, that's, that's kind of my experience. Is it? So like right now, Western hunting and, and Eastern hunting, let's say is, sounds like a completely different game. I mean, Isaiah, you're a gun manufacturer. I mean, you're a gunsmith, you, you put together awesome platforms and you hunt quite a bit. I mean, what are, what are you seeing? What are, and, and you shot, I don't know, five, four or five of the NRL Hunter matches last season. So what are, what are your experiences? Pretty much, I mean, you know, in my specific region, um, you know, everything, everything is considerably different there. And just hunting in general, I, I mean, deer hunting, big game hunting, let's say in general, uh, the evolution of it is turn tremendously from what it was uh, a lot like Scott was when I was young you know my first deer rifle was a 22-250 and um, you know I was told pretty much the same thing you know if it's if it's far away just favor a little higher hold on top of its backbone you're, you're gonna be good you know far away back then and far away now is two completely different things right um, for numerous reasons whatever reasons but you know back then i can honestly say i never owned a rangefinder you know i did the old it was this many steps to wherever it was but looking back you know i probably made some 275 or 300 yard shots on deer but and i you might as well have told me it was a mile because that's pretty much what i felt right um now it's it's the the tables have turned a little bit you know we still live i i live in a region that you can have those super short range shots and i also a mile down the road you can have a, a thousand yard shot if you if you want one um i think things have kind of altered from what i see in my business anyway you know the the trendy things are are really big now rather than the 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 heritage coming down you know so what are some of those trends that you're seeing versus the classic or the heritage type rifles in in our particular region everybody wants a lightweight short barrel uh, 65 creedmoor 243 winchester something that the missouri uh, thank goodness is a is a is a good state that allows suppressors so everybody has a suppressor it seems like anymore um, everybody wants a short barreled rifle with a suppressor that they can handle easily um, not a lot of mammoth cartridges uh, that i do for in-state residents uh, a lot of times if they're going out west that's where you see the the bigger stuff and but for the most part a, a 16 or an 18 inch uh, I guess I'll call it a medium medium cartridge uh, rifle that is very light. That's the big thing. It, it seems like anymore with hunters is right. everybody wants light. And so when you when you say light, I mean light's a relative term, right? I mean we're talking about some people hunting with a sixteen pound rifle. We have guys competing with twenty five pound rifles in competitions, and then we have some guys that are spending small fortunes on you know six pound rifles. What's What's I, a light rifle? I hunt currently with the, the rifle setup I hunt with weighs about 14 and a half pounds. That's mine. Now, when I say lightweight rifles, as far as for customers, um, very specifically, just last week I finished up a 6.5 PRC for a customer, uh, built on a Defiance Ultralight Action, uh, a Manners uh, EH1 stock, proof research barrel with a, uh, the new four and a half by 22 Vortex on it and the rifle with an empty five round magazine weighed eight pounds, 11 ounces. Wow. With optic. 
Now, so that's what they're, you know, the, that's kind of the trend that people are now. What what what's a ballpark ball price, um, ballpark? Sorry, ballpark price tag for that build. I don't care about the exact number, but what roughly what, what somebody spend for on that? for the rifle without optic? It's around forty two hundred dollars. Okay, so significantly more than going up going to your, you know, your local store and picking up a seven hundred or a Tika or whatever it is. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. significantly more. And you know, optics as far as that goes. Uh, there's so many good ones out there. Uh, just finding that the if you're gonna have a lightweight rifle, in my opinion, you might as well have a lightweight optic. Right. Uh, it, it doesn't do good to build a six-pound rifle if you put a five-pound optic on it. That's kind of defeating the purpose of the whole the yeah. whole build. Yeah. Right. It just totally negates it. Yes. All right. So I'm curious. Not that I care about Canada. I'm just totally kidding, David. <laughs> what, what, what's it, what, what are the trends in Canada? What are you seeing? I know it's, it's completely different laws and so on and so forth than here in the States. But, I mean, you're our neighbor, so let's figure it out. Well, for where I'm at, to be honest, until you actually get up into the mountains proper, it's super tight woods. Like, like Pemberton is coastal British Columbia, so super similar to, you know, western Washington. And it's tight. I mean, I took a deer at 30 yards last year. With a rifle that I had proofed out to seventeen hundred plus yards. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, I've got friends that hunt with thirty thirty lever guns. I, I mean, the first gun I used to hunt around there was an M fourteen, just mainly for the novelty of it. Because I mean, if we were allowed to, you could hunt with pistols for the most part where we're at. Like it's close in, and then you get up into the mountains though. And then you get the opportunity to, or, well, you're pretty much required to really stretch it out. And th that's talking mainly about, like, my area is like a lot of blacktail. But if you're going for uh, goats and sheep, then, yeah, you're generally talking about four to 500-yard shots up in the mountains, at, at least, just because it's just the way the topography kind right. of lends itself, you know? So what's the trend in, in Montana, Seth? When I first started hunting, we... Uh, we shot a lot of deer with 243 and 7mm08, which is arguably probably one of the best mid-range calibers for sleeper. Yeah, for all, for all the animals. And we, we've shot a lot, a lot of deer with 7mm08 uh, with Leopold 3x9 gold rings. Uh, as I've gotten older and hunting has become more popular, uh, the public land has become more popular, especially since um, outfitting has also become more popular. So shooting 500 yards is kind of become a way to increase the successfulness of your hunt and maybe, you know, gain some access to animals that you wouldn't normally be able to gain access to. When I was 10, we didn't make any shots over 300 yards. We, my dad had a sixth sense on how exactly to sneak up on animals. And so we would always get very, very close to our animals. Um, but that, that's kind of since gone away because of the, the i shouldn't say it's overcrowded public land um but it, it does become um necessary to to make some longer shots so you know we want we, we hunt in the breaks and the missouri river breaks so we, we want light as well uh, we also want accurate uh, the, the rifle that uh, i used last year uh, all my family members use the same rifle my sister shot her first year last year um and uh, we shot anything from 75 yards to 810 yards um so you know having a multi-purpose lightweight rifle that that's capable of doing things close and far and knowing the capabilities of that rifle i think are extremely important there and I, the the amount of people that i get asking me how can i shoot something at 500 yards is, is pretty overwhelming and so i think that uh, these matches that we're doing are really kind of a great way for people to understand what it takes to do that and um that they they do need to participate in something like that because it's what creates an ethical shot absolutely you brought up a really uh, a really cool point um when i was doing a lot of the research about hunting and so on and so forth for the nrl hunter series we found that because of the pandemic and COVID and all that nonsense a lot more people were getting into the outdoors they had to find some escape right so they were buying rvs they were buying utvs they were buying rifles or guns for the first time because they were scared or wanted to go hunting or put food on the table i mean right now in california and i mean i don't know how it is in the rest of the states beef is up 50 percent 50 percent over last year luckily i have you know i have harvested meat that i shot in my freezer so i don't i'm fortunate i don't have to buy that right now but 
all of that inflation is going nuts. And you and I, Seth, uh, we were talking about that a little bit, you know, not too long ago as well. But what, I mean, how is, how did you grow up hunting? What were you using? I know you're kind of in the same general area as Brian, but different experience. Yeah, mine was quite a bit different. So when I started, we ran a 22 and we would shoot rabbits. We would, there was enough jackrabbits. We would just go shoot those or we'd take a 410 and go jump shoot ducks. That's where I started. Um, Every day after school, I was eight, probably not quite hunter's ed. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I went to something of that. Yeah, so I eight-ish, yeah, twelve. So sketchy. Yes, yeah, long time ago. So super tough. To Can't remember. remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so we'd go jump shoot ducks. Um, it was go, after nineteen seventy-eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that's where I started. What was the hunting I was doing was just varmints, the twenty-two stuff like that. So, I started into big game. I got a 30 out six when I was like not very old and they shot terrible, super terrible. And I, it was a Remington 700, some pawn shop 700. And we would drag that around when we were out doing everything else until we'd run into a deer, shoot the deer. That, that was, that was what we were doing. Or, um, my grandfather used to guide, um, when, quite a while ago and so we would go elk hunt and he they had a very interesting policy it was generally a weaver fixed four on top of the rifle um side in was great super great (laughs) (laughs) but killed a lot of animals just by getting in position getting as close as you could but you weren't you weren't nothing was under a hundred if you were under a hundred you you were a ninja you really slipped into it but none of that you you would be if you, you happened to get up onto up of them when you jumped them out or something, or if you found out where they bedded down and got into them, you were two, three hundred yards was pretty common. Um, it, it, it took a while of me trying to understand, like, why are these sucking so bad just launching them out here with a fixed four? That's where I started shooting was, like, maybe check this out. We just take a little practice, try to hit things farther. <laughs> percentages go up right it's amazing what a little bit of practice will do right weird super weird that way yeah yeah like oh hey there is math for this i don't know about this math but yes it's not aim at some random thing and set it free and hope for the best (laughs) but yeah that 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 was effectively is so same same kind of concepts of just wandering around in the hills like this sucks man we're not like we got to hit these things they're farther away all the time like and it's never like how far can we get them it's can we get as close as possible okay cool now how do we kill them Right. So, Michael, what was Washington State, but the more western side of Washington State? Yeah. What was so your experience? My experience was different. So I grew up a military brat, kind of growing up all over the nation. Um, and I did not come from a hunting family. Uh, so I joined the military, and that's where I learned to hunt was through some of my military friends. Um, and then I got into, like, precision rifle, long-range precision rifle. So I was very good at the killing part of the hunting sequence. What I, my knowledge gap was the actual hunting part where how to find the animals and everything else. So for me, um, I came into this without any kind of, we'll call it bad habits. It's like if you're learning how to to do something, uh, if you get the right training from the ground up for the first time, you tend to be better at that thing. So I had really good precision rifle training right from the get-go. So I had a really good foundation and really good equipment to start with. I just didn't know how to find animals and that took a little while. Right. Um, So my hunting experience was initially in Tennessee, uh, hunting uh, Fort Campbell and it was, you could take three does a day only three though. Don't <laughs> over the course. <laughs> and then that's just with archery. Yeah, and you get three bucks for the year. And I really got into archery hunting and I, I love archery hunting just for the, the intimacy of it. But you know, that's kind of where I started hunting and then I moved out west to western Washington. And then western Washington, uh quite frankly, sucks to hunt. I mean it's super dense trees. I think if I were to build the perfect Western Washington deer gun, it would be like a 4570 with a red dot. So you're probably not shooting more than 50 yards. Eotech. Yeah, it was a Eotech, <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's just, I hate tracing around Western Washington. So I tend to move over to the east side to do my hunting. Um, but that's kind of like my hunting background is, was that. And then 
precision rifle kind of preceded hunting. So when you were hunting with your buddies, what rifle did you start with? So I started with a Remington 700 Police in 308. Okay, so pretty much the traditional rifle that most people start with in hunting. I yeah. mean, as far as, well, I shouldn't say that. I should say where, where I'm from, that's what most people were buying off the shelves. When I went to the gun store, I'm from Southern California. So my first ever so rifle. Is still in Compton? Not Compton. No. <laughs> that's, so that's, the Mac 10. That, that's the Mac 10, yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I went to buy my first rifle, precision rifle rifle, it was a Remington 700 Police mm -hmm. 308, right? Um, my first hunting experience, we've, we've talked about it on the show quite a bit, but my first rifle that I ever took hunting um, was completely different. It was a LRI, um, custom built uh, 300 Winnack. And I was going after elk, and I was with Paul Dowling and some other Terry Dis and some other great guys. And my, you know, my question to them was, "I have a 300 wood mag, or I have a 6.5 Creedmoor." And unanimously, they said 300 wood mag because you've never done this before, and we don't know exactly what we're going to be getting into in the hills of of Utah, right? So they said they told me the 300 wood mag, and I was successful with my 300 wood mag at 500 and change. So from this quick roundtable that we've just gone through. It sounds like it's almost like a golf bag of different rifles from different regions. I mean, there's doesn't sound like there's one correct caliber or rifle setup. Um, it, I don't think it has to be custom, but there's some things that we can do now, and Isaiah can probably back me up with this. That we can we can have uh, one interface with a rifle is a big thing, right? I mean, anybody that's ever shot a lot knows that. The more symmetry you have with your with your rifle, the, the better it's set up for you, the better you're gonna be. I can go from a you know, if I've got the same scope, the same action, the same trigger, the same chassis, the same bipod, I can go from caliber to caliber to caliber, and it doesn't freaking matter what the caliber is. I'm gonna place the bullet in the same spot. So kind of the modern you know, we were just talking about this kind of the modern rifle now is, and Mike's a big proponent of this is having the right tool for the job. Right. And we, we really hammered this down last night and it, it, it didn't open my eyes because I've hunted in Kentucky, I've hunted in Tennessee. Um, and I understand the, the, you know, the, the different challenges they have there with the, their smaller animals. You don't need a 300 wind mag for that. Um, in fact, it's probably a deterrent, right? You're throwing too big of a bullet at too small of an animal, and it's not doing what it's supposed to. Right. So it's not customized for that right. for that adventure for that exactly. Hunt. So, um, my next build, I'm super happy that I'm starting to get it all put together. Is it's a, a six five PRC. It's a seven SOM. It's a 300 Win Mag and a 375 Ruger. I'm building one rifle. It's one action, it's one scope, it's one chassis, it's one trigger, it's one bipod, four different barrels. That's the modern rifle. And and that's the, I mean, that's my biggest takeaway over all the places that I've hunted was um, out here, Eastern Washington, um, you're gonna have wind, it's gonna be 400 yards. Um, or I've even hunted down in uh, uh, Seth's area where it's like, I at 500 yards, I took a practice shot on a rock because the wind was so high. Um, I'm decent at calling wind, you know? I mean, five, <laughs> no, you know, this is Scott Saddle, right, yes. Right. So, I mean, 500 yards is not a far shot. Right. But as soon as you get an animal in front of you, it's not steel, it changes. For me, it changes how I feel about the shot in a real dramatic way. Right? Absolutely. I want to be super responsible over that. I don't want the animal to suffer. I don't want it. I mean, the sun's going to go down in 15 minutes. I don't want to track that thing in the middle of the night till three in the morning and then, and then, you know, fall asleep on my backpack, you know, sucking on my camelback and then see vultures flying over it in the morning. I right. don't want that. That is not why I went out there. So, um, I actually had to take a practice shot on a rocket like 100 yards away from the animal. I'm like, okay, fuck yeah, I got the wind. Got him, you know? Um, so you have to have the right tool for the job. And I think with, you know, what modern gunsmiths are doing 
and what modern actions are capable of doing, you know, and scopes and lasers and stuff like that. And you, your phone has so much computing power. It has more computing power than what they put people on the moon with. So it'll probably figure out what your ballistics are. Um, you know, at, at that point, um, again, bringing the right tool for the job. That That is kind of my biggest thing. And then being super responsible over it. You know, it's, um, I passed on an L a couple weeks ago because I, I didn't think I could make the shot. So, you yeah. know, it's just one of those things. I, ca I can't shoot an arrow like Mike can. So I'm like, just like. <laughs> Neither can I. I know yeah, I've lost I some know. money. I'm like, <laughs> you know. So. But so, so the thing is, is, it, is it's not only having the right tool. And when I said custom, I meant customized for that, that adventure. Correct. Um, it's not only about having the right tool, but it's also having the right skill set, which is going to be a whole other conversation. And the right realization and the right ego, expectations. Ego over your skill set. Right. You know, being responsible. So then my question, because I, I think, I'm going to assume I'm the youngest or newest hunter in this group. I'm like, I think all of you guys have been many, many years over uh, on me in hunting. If I came to this group and I said, you know, I'm not stupid enough to put it up on Facebook because I'll get 10 million wrong answers. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you guys. I'm going out on a – I've never hunted bear before. Okay, I'm going to go hunt bear on, on Brian Neese with Brian Neese next week. And I know, Brian, you're going bear hunting pretty soon, right? Um, what would the right platform be for me? Black bear or brown bear? Black that's bear. a big difference. Black bear. Black bear. <laughs> that's a big difference. That's a, big difference. That's a really <laughs> great point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, you know, I, I didn't even think about that until you asked black bear or brown bear. It yeah. is a big difference. They're a different, completely different size animal, right? Same family, but different sizes. Yeah. So when a new hunter comes to a group of individuals and asks, you know, hey, I, I have a buy once, cry once, but I can only buy a one. What's the right platform for that person the answer is is right the answer is that it depends it depends on how you're going to hunt that black bear are you going to I mean, sit in a tree over bait are you going to uh are you going to sit on a ridge and, and spot a, a known traffic area or um yeah i mean you can kill a black bear with a pretty pretty um with a bow out of a tree i mean they shoot with crossbows all day long yeah, on tv yeah so <laughs> on TV, yeah. some of the some of the bears out at your place get four, five hundred, six hundred pounds. I yeah. know I've seen yeah. out in North, uh, uh, North Carolina, they got five, six hundred pound black bear. So, so I'm taking it. I'm taking a, a six five Creedmoor. Okay, with me, it's a lightweight with the kind of like what Isaiah was talking about, lightweight um, uh, with the suppressor. It's it's the gun I use for NRL hunter. Okay. Um, I don't expect to see the animal more than probably 400 yards or in. Um, I think it'll do just a fine job. Awesome. Now, Isaiah, you've been kind enough to invite me up to your place to come hunting with you in late November, mid-November. Um, what would be the right rifle setup if I was going to be shooting in your region? Well, once again, there really is no... I don't believe that there is a correct answer. I don't believe that there is a one-size-fits-all. If you're hunting one specific species, then yes, absolutely, we can cater to that. As far as laws go in Missouri, um, any centerfire cartridge in Missouri is uh, acceptable for hunting white-tailed deer. So it doesn't matter whether it's a 17 Remington or a 375 Ruger. Uh, anything, as long as it's center fire, is an acceptable acceptable cartridge as far as the Department of Conservation goes. Um, my whole childhood was filled with hunting with 2250. 6.5 Creedmoor, I think, is a fantastic platform in that in that specific area. It's a it's very manageable on recoil. Um, does a really really good job of of putting animals down. It's got a very effective range. Uh, one thing that we, we talked about just briefly just a little bit ago, and I think that people, uh, I know we talked about this last night, and people often off overlook this, is, you know, I've been blessed in my life to be around some of the, some of the best, probably most of the best shooters in the world. 
And I don't know one ethical hunter or good marksman that won't do everything in their power to try to close that gap between them and the animal before they take the shot, even right. if they are capable of it. If you have that opportunity to close that gap, the 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 more you close it, the more effective you're going to be. Yeah. No, no matter what. Absolutely. The confidence goes up. Every mean everything. Your hit up, percentage right? goes up. Yeah, your hit percentage. Uh, you know, you can take. You know, you can't take the environmental factors out, but you can take that flight time of that bullet out of those environments for that. You know, if it's a 500 yard shot and and it's not ideal conditions and you can get to 350, or I personally can get to 350, you better believe I'm going to 350. Right. I'm, I'm going to close that gap all I can until there just isn't a way to get it any tighter. Okay. And going back to what Scott says, you know, I've seen the animals. I think anybody that's hunted very much in their life has had those shots where it was, you know, it was a big deer. It was a big buck, but I couldn't make the shot. So it doesn't bother me anymore just to set the rifle back down and wait for another day or, or something like that because I would rather do that than make a bad shot or run the animal completely out of my hunting area to where it just goes somewhere else. So yeah. um, there's no shame in that as far as I'm concerned. So what would you guys say to the guys out there that are saying a 16-pound rifle? Nobody in the world hunts with a 16-pound rifle. Why? What would the, the advantage... Depending if in the right search, in the right scenario, what would be the advantage of shooting a 16 pound rifle versus an 18 pound rifle? Or an eight pound rifle. Or I'm sorry, eight pound rifle. Sorry, Seth. Uh, Seth and then so, Mike. <clears throat> when you're shooting a rifle, if it's an eight pound rifle, the recoil depends on what your cartridge is, right? It's your power in, power out on application on target. If you're picking a target and you're say let's pick some i don't know a 300 wind mag you get a 300 wind mag that's eight pounds the recoil in that your grouping on that I, is is generally unless you've shot a lot of rifle very very poor i've spent more time taking people to go shoot right like oh yeah i got him we're gonna kill it we're gonna we're gonna take all the power we need it's gotta be a giant cannon of a rifle otherwise it won't die i'm like oh cool let's go side him in right yeah 100 yards you're like are you looking at the same plate as me? Because I don't see any impacts on that. Like, this right. is a hundred yard target. And they're like, no, no, I'm. I, I think I. I think I hit him. You didn't. <laughs> None of the times. Like, you, let's back it off. You give them something a little lighter, and you can tell they're just tightening, like eating that thing, like it's going out of style. You can't. You you have to be able to apply that bullet on target, right? So you get to an eight pound rifle at a 300 Win Mag, you're gonna be upset, but you don't need a 300 Win Mag, maybe back the caliber off, go to the eight pound rifle, cause you need to hike up 10,000 vertical feet. Right. You gotta pack that thing for five days. You'd, you're not gonna be as excited about a giant rifle. So the, like they were saying earlier on, the, pick the tool for the job. You don't, there's not one thing that's gonna be like, oh no, this'll 30-30 lever action, we're gonna crush everything, maybe. If you're a super good ninja. So then the question, Mike, is why would you want a 16-pound rifle? So it, just like Seth was alluding to, it goes to forgiveness um, in shooting. So if I shoot uh, a 16-pound 300 PRC, I feel very confident shooting that because that added weight gives me the forgiveness I need and the, the ability to shoot that rifle more accurately. Now, if I want to... If I'm going to hike up, you know, a mountain, I'm going to take a lighter rifle, which, like Seth said, I'm going to go down in caliber. Um, probably, you know, depending on the distances I'm looking to engage in, you can get down to a moderate recoiling cartridge, like a 6.5 Creedmoor or something like that, and take game at very um, lengthy distances within your capability. Uh, and I think that's something that we always need to harp on is within your capability and within your weapons capability. But... If I'm shooting like a 300 PRC, a 300 Norma, uh, 338 Lapua, I'm gonna be super sad after about three rounds in an eight pound gun. <laughs> but if I'm shooting coyotes at extended distances with a 300 Norma improved, I'm gonna want that heavier gun. That also means I'm probably not gonna hike it 10 miles in and 10 miles out, but that is going to enable me to be more accurate at distance. It gives me some forgiveness. So, Scott, you've, you've, had, you've been blessed with being able to hunt all over the world. Have you hunted with a heavier, like 16, 12, I hunted, 15? I actually hunted with my match gun, a 6.5 Creedmoor match gun. Um, 
three years ago, I was out at uh, Q Creek. I had drawn a bee tag for a, a, a cow elk, and I had my 6.5 Creedmoor match gun, 17-pound gun. Um, and we were eating dinner with Tad in the lodge, and we seen the elk come out of the mountain, and they're like 880. I was like, I don't feel really good about taking an 880-yard shot. Let's get a little closer. So we get down in, you know, a million eyes looking at us, and then, you know, we had a, a big, dry cow elk, not the lead elk. So I'm like, let's, let's go ahead and, and zap her. And at that point... Get the rifle down, dial it up, boom, boom. Literally two shots, couple seconds, sent them right into the into the uh, heart and lungs area. She just stood there and died. She didn't even run. She didn't know she was being hunted, so she was just passive eating. You know, I mean, so, I mean, there's some advantages, big advantages to that heavier rifle. We, you know, we I walked 300 yards. You know what I mean? It's so, not a big and, deal, then, yeah. and, then we, and then we drove the ATV to her and poured her in the back. Um, and that's, now that, a, that's a great point, though, that I don't think a lot of people realize, too, is, like, you don't have to be walking to be hunting. You know, I see UTVs everywhere now in places oh, that yeah. I never would have thought I would have seen UTVs before, which opens the opportunity for you to take a heavier gun if you wanted to. Right. And that kind of brings up a point that, I mean, Isaiah and I brought it up, brought, he brought it up earlier. And, you know, one of the unique things about you know, being able to work with Gunworks for a little while is we got to see a lot of terminal ballistic studies. And, you know, we found was that 28 Nosler with 195 grain bullets really didn't start killing stuff well till 400 yards because the bullet had slowed down enough to actually do what it was supposed to, right? That most of your bullet envelope, they work from 2,800 to 1,700 feet per second. And, you know, we're talking about he's shooting at 22, 250 with 55 grains for whitetail. It's probably a really, really good cartridge. 300 wind mag is suboptimal for something that size because that bullet has got so much mass, so much inertia, so much momentum, and there isn't enough tissue in a nine inch wide whitetail to make that bullet do what it's supposed to. So, um, you know, we get back to, you know, optim optimizing your success rate is also, you know, figuring out the best bullet, best cartridge combination for where you live. So the average Joe out there is gonna be like, what do you mean a bullet's not effective within 400 yards? If I, if I shoot it, it goes through it, it's dead. No. That's what the average Joe's going to say, that's right? I mean, that works. That's, that's what the average person sees on TV or sees in the movies or whatever, right? But <laughs> it, it, in hunting, I mean, and I'm not a ballistician. I know Scott and Isaiah, you guys nerd out on this Damn, stuff. Humans are much weaker animals. Yes, yeah, humans yeah. are much weaker animals. But, uh, but they can but, shoot back. <laughs> they, they can. But what do you mean? So for the average Joe out there, what do you mean in like a, a – I don't know if you or Isaiah want to take this, but in like a, a quick – 60 second or 45 second spill why would a round not be effective at a certain closer range and it is more effective at a farther range so bullet technology just in general in the past even 10 years but let's say 20 years have has completely evolved you know uh bullets what was considered good bullets and maybe still are good bullets back then everything has evolved everything in our, that we do so um, we now have high BC bullets, longer bullets, um, uh, bullets that are, some bullets are bonded, some are not bonded, some are monolithic, uh, you know, lead-free, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when you take that, let's say that particular 195 bullet or, you know, a big bullet for long for cartridge, long for caliber bullet, um, and, and you make it, go faster than it's intended to do or it it's recommended window as scott says you know the window of effectiveness where the bullet actually opens and does what it's supposed to do well it just simply makes a, a pass-through shot a lot of times on a white-tailed deer or a smaller animal a coyote or or whatever the bullet never gets to open because there's not enough tissue that it 
touches to make it actually open. So in turn, what you've done is shot that animal with a full metal jacket. That is pretty much what you've done. So it fails to expand. It fails to expand. Um, you take the same bullet, same rifle comb uh, combination, and put it into a uh, an elk or a moose, you're going to have completely different results with it. Um, that's where I'm going. I was going with the, the one size does not fit all. You know, uh, you need to you need to know what you're hunting and, and try your best to capitalize on the specific, maybe not the specific cartridge. Because let's face it, there's thousands of good ones out there. Right. But the specific bullet and range of weight, whatever it needs to to work effectively and open and 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 make it make it all work that's what a person really needs to to work towards um scott's yeah. scott's uh talking about the having the switch barrels you know that's a that's a fantastic deal i do that a lot for customers um there's several options to make a switch barrel where you don't have to change anything in point of fact with your with your Kestrel or smartphone, you can even do a zero offset for your other barrel when you screw it on, and you never even really have to re-zero the scope. It just compensates for it and tells you what to dial it to. Because Isaiah, I don't think the animal cares what cartridge the bullet was sent with. No, no, it does not. <laughs> Excuse me, please don't shoot me with that and, round, okay? Yeah, I can't believe you just shot me the 6.5 Creedmoor. God damn, I'm not going to die. I'm going to hell. To die. Yeah, strongly yeah. worded. I don't, I, I don't think they care. I, I really don't. Yeah. So, okay, great, great uh, breakdown. So, Mike. You know, this original question came from one of your viewers sure. on, you know, your YouTube channel. How would you answer that question to that person based off of this roundtable that we've had here today so far? So what I, what I answered that question is, is that you need to keep in mind that not everybody hunts the way you hunt, in the location that you hunt, or for the animals that you hunt, and that a lot of people hunt with a variety of different rifles that all look very different like like i alluded to earlier if you're in michigan you may be hunting with a 12 gauge shotgun shooting slugs and they've killed a ton of deer up there that way um but if you're out west maybe you you know if you're hunting a brown bear in alaska or something like that your needs are completely different so again like scott said i'm a huge proponent of taking the right tool for the job and I recommend that you do your research, find out what that is, and then get trained and proficient with that right tool for your right job and increase your chances. Awesome. Okay, so we've got about 13 minutes before we're going to wrap up this. Oh, yeah. go ahead, so Mike. I, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to end, and maybe, you know, if we get to this just a little later with a question, if you want to give everybody time to think about it. Each individual at this table has different experiences, hunts different things, different locations. If you could only pick one rifle what would it be what one rifle or one caliber yes. one, so I can... if you could take yeah because scott just killed my one <laughs> rifle thing one cartridge one cartridge okay we're gonna everybody for think of, for for all okay for so all one machines. one cartridge for everything that's gonna be your last question but before we get that david you wanted to jump in i just wanted to jump in and say like that the switch barrel thing that scott's doing i'm a huge proponent of that as well like my hunting rifle i've got a shorter 308 barrel for when i'm hunting where it's thick and if i want to go up and i think there's i'm going to be you know faced with longer shots i've got a longer carbon seven song barrel so same weight way more oomph you know that and but I'm always using exactly the same platform, the same chassis, the same scope, the same trigger. Everything feels the same. Familiarization. Exactly. All I'm doing is, oh, I got to spin on a new barrel. Stop at the range five minutes away. Check zero. Good to go. A. Awesome. A. 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 <laughs> All right. So my last question, or my last question before we get to Mike's final question, um, does every is everybody here hunting this season? Yes. Yeah, for the most part. Okay, so we're just going to do a quick roundtable. I want to know what you're hunting, what you're hunting with, what rifle, so just a quick breakdown, and what caliber you're hunting with. And just just that, pure and simple. All Mr. Right. Fudd, you're up. I'm hunting ducks with a 12 gauge, and I'm hunting... Okay, irrelevant to this rifle conversation, but... <laughs> <laughs> hey, this, but it's the most important part of my season, buddy. Uh, and I am hunting whitetail deer with uh, eh, probably my competition rifle. Which is? Six Comet. 
Six Comet. Which is a Dasher for men. <laughs> that doesn't exist. It's a pretty badass little card. That's an oxymoron, yeah. right? Yeah. Dasher for men. Yeah. Dasher for men. Other than, other than that, it would be Coyotes for the rest of the season out from there. All right. With your Dasher for men. With my Dasher for men. <laughs> Mr. Curtis. Uh, you know, I, I hunt a lot uh, of what we have. Um, I hunt pretty much all winter. Uh, Which is what, what? What do you have? Uh, uh, well, I guess the species native to Northeast America, or Northeast Missouri. So uh, we hunt coyotes, a lot of coyotes, do a lot of calling, uh, a few foxes, not a lot, um, white-tailed deer, uh, both archery and rifle. Uh, so what's I, your, what's your white-tailed deer rifle or platform? So that's, that's kind of a loaded question because I, I don't, I can't answer that honestly and just say I've got one. Because I don't. Um, you should see this guy's gun room. So, um, no, it's, 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 it's his floor. It's not. Room. It's not uncommon for me to take my match rifle uh, where I hunt is in a huge tower stand, uh, a hand built tower stand, and so it's a three quarter mile walk in. I don't mind walking in with a nineteen pound rifle three quarters of a mile and setting all day. Um, I'm not. I'm not on my feet all day. Right. I, I glass a lot. So it's not uncommon for me to, to use a six comet for, for hunting. But for the most part anymore, I used a, a suppressed 6.5 PRC. Um, and that's, that's my go-to deer rifle, I guess, okay. let's say. If I'm hunting coyotes or predators or anything like that, then it's going to be a really fast six millimeter of some sort. Um, but I'm blessed in that issue to where I don't have to have one. If I just had to have one for everything in my region, I would probably pick a 6.5 Creed or a 6 Creed, one of the two. It would be a good, viable option. Awesome. Seth, what are you, uh, what are you going after and what are you doing it with? So uh, <clears throat> I'm going to do uh, mule deer and elk and uh, we, uh, or I use a 7 saw, which is just a modified 7mm08. And, uh, you know, about 10 pound rifle, Defiant Santa X and a new hunt 26 chassis. So it's, you know, chassis, which is non-traditional to a, to a stock obviously, but it meets or it matches more closely to what I normally train with. And my training is really the, 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 the rifle matches that, that we're all so heavily involved in. So um, I like the, the seven saw with the 160, 165-ish, you know, bolt weights and it seems to do a great job and bolt placement obviously is important but uh you know we were talking earlier me and scott about how the 6.5 by 55 suite has taken a lot of moose so um we get wrapped around big calibers because for some reason we're we're all short men on the inside i don't know why but <laughs> compensating for nothing yeah <laughs> so, i got a big truck yeah <laughs> awesome david what are you, are you hunting up in canada this year eh? i am i'll be hunting for uh black tail white tail and black bear awesome and uh for the most part i'll just be running my switch barrel rig so if i'm gonna be you know low down and stalking and whatnot i'll be running a 20 inch 308 in a right now it's in an mbt xrs but i'm about to get an hnt so i'll drop a couple pounds off of that uh setup and when i'm going into the next region over to look for whitetail or if i'm actually gonna hike up into the alpine and do like a few overnighters i'll probably spin on my uh carbon seven saw barrel awesome okay brian uh, i know you have a, a bear hunt this year what do you have anything else or yeah yeah what are you doing it with I'm, I'm the the bear hunt um, on my place, and I, I said the six five three more for that. Um, I'll use that same rifle for uh, uh, whitetail. Same same pretty flat area. I'm also hunting Frank Church Wilderness this year, which Ooh. is completely different. Um, uh, deer deer tag and elk tag, mule deer tag and uh, elk tag. Um, for that, I'm taking three rifles. I'm taking a twelve pound six five Creedmoor. I'm taking a 15 pound uh, 28 nozzler and I'm taking a six pound 280 actually improved and the reason is just there's so many different ways to hunt that in that country sometimes you got to walk up 4,000 vertical feet and back down 4,000 vertical feet and just do it again right um, it's just huge nasty country so 
Um, I'm, I'm trying to cover all my bases and plan for what I expect to hunt. So, and, that, and that's actually really smart because you're taking the right tool for the right job. So you don't know exactly where or what you're going to be facing. So you're taking a tool chest, for lack of a better term, um, to make sure that you're successful in your hunt. Right, and I just hope I'm carrying the right one at the right time. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll <laughs> make it work. <laughs> Mike, I know you just, congratulations on your, your elk hunt. That was, I know that was archery, different topic, but congratulations on your recent elk hunt. Do you, yep, do you have any uh, rifle hunts coming up this year? Yeah, so I'm going to take my youngest son rifle hunting um, for a deer. He'll be shooting a 6.5 Creedmoor for muleys, and I'll be shooting a 6.5 PRC just because I, that's my hunting, my primary hunting caliber. Um, I do do most of my hunting with a bow because I'm a glutton for punishment and I don't like success. Um, but one of those is correct. Others are complete lies. Yeah. You're all about success. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, a mule deer hunt and then a black bear, uh, it runs kind of concurrent in Western Washington and then late season will be another archery hunt for elk. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Scott, what's your season look like? I know you just came just, off of an elk hunt, yeah, and you're going back, right? A very unsuccessful elk hunt. <laughs> I mean, it was it was super successful. I was at full draw on a pretty nice bull at 27 yards, but he was just undercover, and then I had some cow 10 yards away screaming in my face. So, anyway, um, so I have uh, I have rifle tags for Washington for deer and elk, um, and I'm also going to help. Uh, Seth's brother with some vets killed some depredation tags in Idaho. So, oh, awesome! Yes, and um, what I'm going to do with that is I'm going to bring the six five. I'm going to bring my lightweight six five PRC suppressed. Um, I've got that. That rifle is just absolutely stupid as far as accuracy goes, and I know. Um, you know, if I'm able to explain to a wounded vet, you know, a guy with, you know, one leg or, you know, one arm or whatever like that, I mean, I'm, I'm still going, I'm going to be able to get that guy on target. We're going to be able to kill some animals. So, and then there's odd ad in Oregon and I've been telling these guys. <laughs> that's a secret. <laughs> why are you, why are you talking about that on this podcast? To talk about we're not okay, talking about that. Fight club. I'm not going to tell you where it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> Okay, so that's that's a project right there. Because I think Oddad are freaking cool. Um, and then we're going to Africa in June. We're going so, to Africa in June. Uh, that we are not using the restroom. Scott's dog is taking a drink. Okay, that's that right. That's right. So, um, and then of course I uh, I coyote hunt and I do a mix of stuff from as soon as it starts getting cold like this, I do a lot of night stuff. I'll drive the old war wagon out, and um, and we'll set up and we'll call. And I've got thermals. And I run really light bullets really fast out of my 223 and out of my 6 Creedmoor. So okay. I've got a combination of things um, that I run for predator hunting. And typically it revolves around really light bullets going really fast. There you go. Awesome. Seth, what, what do you have going on? And what's, what's this deal with your brother? So I actually really am a terrible human because I like to bow hunt as well. <laughs> One, like, oh, no, it's way. I, I love bow hunting. I practice all the time, right? Like, oh, yeah, I can hit things in a long-ass ways. Let's get super close and see if we can scare them. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It's successful. That's where I actually was, like, uh, two weeks ago, spending the entire time following elk with a bow like an idiot. But from here out, I don't have any more elk tags because that, that was my Idaho tag. Um, I'll likely end up... Um, messing around with some stuff trying to maybe get a deer out of the deal the mule deer from local because it's just there right, right. there they're all over the place um rifle for that either end up being my match rifle um my 24 25 creedmoor or a 280 athlete okay um it just depends on what the day is what that's going to look like the elk hunt um so the the what the hell is the name of that deal so my brother runs a um an operation where they, they take wounded veterans and they take them out, they, they get them um, game opportunities. Um, they, they take them fishing, they take them, they just try to get them back integrated into the world. Um, they got a pretty cool hunt there. It's a depredation tag off of a ranch and they're going to go out and they'll try to get elk for these guys. It's, it's, it's really a, it's a cool thing. Awesome. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what my, the rest of this year is going to look like for me. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so for, for me, I'm actually leaving early tomorrow morning from Scott's house and heading to Wyoming 
for an antelope hunt. I'm doing that with uh, our good friend Josh Clough from HS Precision. Um, at the Tiller 55. At, uh, yeah, at the Tiller 55. I'm super, super blessed and fortunate to have that opportunity. Only because of Josh. I mean, I, I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, so I'm going to be doing that with... Oh, yes, Seth. Veteran Sportsman's Alliance is the name of the... Oscar the Veteran team. Sportsman's Alliance. Yep. Uh, VeteranSportsman'sAlliance.org or .com? Oh, I believe it's an org, yes. Google it. Google, you'll Google. find it. You'll Google. donate. Google, donate, help your veterans out. We're, we've got a lot of veterans here at the table. We love our veterans. Support them. Help them. Um, so I'm going on a, a, my first speed goat uh, hunt with Josh in, in Wyoming, and he put together a 6.5 PRC. Um, so I'm going to be shooting that um, with a Leopold Mark V. Um, I don't know much about the rifle because he put it together especially for this hunt because that's what he wants me to shoot. Um, but I know it's going to be awesome. I mean, HS Precision builds quality, great stuff. Uh, later this year, I'm going back on another elk hunt. Um, in my heart, my, my first decision is to go back with my 300 wind mag because I've already got one on that and it's been deemed the elk slayer. So I, I kind of have to live up to the, live up to the nickname and, and get more than one elk because right now it's not really a slayer. It's kind of, I got one, maybe lucky. <laughs> it's kind of undefeated right now. Uh, it is undefeated. Right. That, that is a good point. Just, just saying. Just saying. That, is, that, that is a good point. Um, and then I, there might be some other opportunities. I'm, uh, like I'm going to Isaiah's place to do an archery deer um, and a rifle deer. So we're going to talk about what uh, what I should be bringing out there. I'm going to probably bring a 6.5 Creedmoor. Depends on the corn pile. It depends on the corn pile. <laughs> and I've never hunted a tree stand before, and I don't like heights. So it'll, it'll be interesting and... <laughs> I trust Isaiah, and if you guys hear Travis broke his leg again and cracked his skull open, it's because Isaiah didn't like our NRL Hunter rules. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be a great season for everybody. We hope that you guys have a great season. And we're going to wrap this up with another quick roundtable. Back to Mr. Mike Lilly's question. If you could pick one caliber, one caliber, you guys have had plenty of time to think about this, to hunt for the next couple of seasons, what caliber would that be? Who wants to start first? Seth Howard. We'll go around. 280 Ackley, 7 millimeter of any kind at that velocity. Scott? 6.5 by 55 sweep because 127 years. I'd even do it in a K98. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Ernest Hemingway out of Africa. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike? 6.5 uh, PRC. Brian? Tough one. Um, I probably yeah, six five PRC. I think. Okay. Realistically, Dave? for me, I'd use a six five Creed. I'd cover all my bases. I think. Okay. Seven seven ML eight. Seven ML eight. Super factory ammo. I think that's just you know the sleeper. Ease of use. Yeah. This the sleeper. Awesome, Isaiah. I'd probably use a six five PRC. Okay, a lot of six five PRCs, Mr. Fudd. Seven seven. Fudd, Fudd. Sorry. Seven song. Seven song. That's a great round too. It's a great round as well. Yeah, like, it is absolutely great round. Um, for me, I don't. I don't own a six five PRC. I'll shoot one this weekend. I might fall in love with it and end up with a new rifle. Um, for me, I'd say six five Creedmoor because that's what I'm most comfortable shooting. That's what I've shot in my entire uh, precision rifle career. I guess you could say um, three hundred eight for like a month and then straight to six five Creedmoor. And that's what I. That's what I have. That's what I'm comfortable with. Um, so until I go to Africa with Scott and he tells me I need something a little bit more power. I'll bring it. <laughs> Uh-oh, Mike's looking at me with the So I, I just want to say how blown my mind is and that the internet was completely wrong because not a single person said 30 odd 6 I'm just throwing that out <laughs> there. Can I redo mine real quick? <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was wrong. Uh -huh. Well, 280 Ackley is based off the 30 Ackley. Yeah. Now, Mike, in the internet, I'll take a defense, seven some. I don't care. I mean, we really don't have the knowledge that they do. Yeah, so, this, is true. this is true. You know, Google knows all. Yeah, Google knows is, all. That is correct. And, and the point of this conversation, you guys, is not to prove anybody wrong or right or whatnot. It was to get together a group of friends that hunt from all different parts of the country, even Canada, and see. <laughs> Even Canada. Even Canada. Canada. <laughs> there are people too. <laughs> there, there are people too. No, we, we love our, our, our northern brethren. 
the, the point of this conversation was to give you guys some insight as to why and what we do and why we choose that and how we choose it. And just, uh, you know, it's to get the wheels turning. What you, your grandfather, your dad, your uncles, what people used to hunt with in the past, that's great. Those tools worked for them. What we hunt with now and how we hunt now has evolved because everything has evolved. You know, 30 years ago, we were talking on cell phones that were the size of bricks. Now we're talking on cell phones the size of the palm of your hand. Things change. You know, 30 years from now, people are going to be looking at us like, what the hell were we doing? Because something else is going to be out there. We'll be shooting laser beams or some shit. But get the wheels turning. Think about it. Ask about it. If you want to become a better hunter, a better ethical marksman, whatever it is, you have to have an open mind and be willing to learn. If you come into a situation where it's hunting or anything else and you already have your mind made up and you don't want to learn, don't bother. It's pretty much, it's pretty much that simple, I, I would say. What do you think, guys? Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. 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 So, NRL Hunter, the new season is out. We've announced what that is. We're going to be uh, making more announcements all the time. We've got some great things happening this season. You guys need to go to nrlhunter.org. Check out all of our future or all of our past podcasts. Subscribe to listen to all of our future podcasts. You guys also need to go to Long Range with the Lilies. You need to subscribe to their YouTube channel. You guys need to go check out Critics Us and Weapons. You guys need to check out everybody. Uh, SS Tac and SS Tac's new um, the Bone Bag. I mean, just. NRL Hunter, you'll be able to have find all of these guys out here, and it is awesome. We appreciate you guys listening. Use two hands if you're going to get the bean bag. Just don't do one, please. They're big. But yeah. Oh, whiskey's kicking in. Right. <laughs> and, and on that That's note, you guys, happened. thanks for listening. We appreciate you spending the night with us or the evening with us. And until next time, stay safe, keep shooting. We'll see you all at the range. Take care.